Hello and welcome to the Brookwood Church Sunday Message Podcast. On this episode, our senior pastor, Perry Duggar, is back and he's continuing in our series on the letters to the churches in Revelation. If you want to watch the video of this message or listen to this week's worship, you can do so on our website, brookwoodchurch.org, or you can find all of that and more on our Brookwood app. We pray that this message encourages you in your walk with Christ. that God's trying to tell you something you're learning how to hear are you listening are you y'all answer me I was sick last week I'm not sick today so, are you listening are you listening it's a good message for us wasn't it God's trying to tell you something we continue our series called, Can You Hear Me? Take out your message guide. And if you're new here, the front two panels are the outline for this morning. The subtitle for the series, as I have introduced each week, is called Letters from God. And we are referring, that refers to the messages that Jesus actually sent through John to the seven churches in Asia Minor. Those are found in Revelation chapters 2 and 3. If you have not gotten your handouts, they are at the bookstore. They're also at the information desk. I urge you to work on it. Are y'all trying? Let me see some hands if you've been trying to hear God. Keep going, keep going, keep going. Don't be frustrated because like they said, listen Because God's trying to tell you something, but you have to learn to listen. In these letters, Jesus examined each church. And he recognized and he encouraged their strengths, those things they were doing well. But he also pointed out needed improvements. Jesus knew that persecution was coming and the churches had to be prepared As I've said each week, you know, we can say, well, there's no persecution in this land, but there is oppression. And the receptiveness of particularly Christian morality is being rejected more and more. Now, you can talk about God, and that's really not very offensive to many, but see, this vague shadowy God is no God at all because if he's God and we're not then he's more defined than we are which means he's more certain about what's right and what's wrong than we are he's not maturing he's not changing but are we Have we stepped back? Are we defining Him? So these messages do apply to us because we live in a culture that's ever more secular and is in areas becoming more hostile to biblical Christianity. Not secular Christianity, which is no Christianity. Biblical Christianity. 
So this message, which I have named God's letter to the tolerant, was addressed to the church at Thyatira. The theme verse, which is also the memory verse, is found at Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. It's on the top of your outline. If another believer is overcome by some sin, you should ignore it and leave them alone. Is that what it says? Well, then why do we do that? Mm -mm. That's not love. Love is when we recognize it. We don't just ridicule it. We rescue. You take a step. You who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful that you don't fall into the same temptation yourself. So you be humble, but you be persistent. Humility doesn't mean do nothing, does it? It means do something gently. So this letter called this particular church and our church to pursue holiness, to maintain purity by dealing with sin within the church. You can't deal with all the sin in the community. But it shouldn't be in the church. In our culture, tolerance, even indulgence, are embraced to the exclusion of holiness. Now, y'all going to have to hold on to your chairs this morning because we've sort of decided God is this toothless grandfather who's saying, please give me a chance. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. And this letter is an important message for the church today, including this church. This church is a light in this community, but we're only a light if we're a light. We can only be a light if we know how to shine, if we understand what we believe, if we can articulate what we believe, if we're not afraid to articulate what we believe. So Christ loves the church. But Scripture says that, that unless Christ builds the church, we labor in vain. You can build a lot of buildings. You can have a lot of programs. And God can be nowhere in sight. So we have to be concerned about false doctrine, about sin. Even in an effort to extend love and acceptance to people. See, you got to get this balance. Yes, we love people. Yes, we accept people. But we still address sin. You see? And our culture has said, no, but if you love people, that means you just overlook all sin. That's not what the Scripture says. That's not really love because it's not helping people be where they need to be. See, love is me doing for you what you need done for you, not what you want done for you. Is everybody clear on this one? Over here, do y'all have that? Do we have this definition of love? Because love means, with a child, it means discipline, doesn't it? I mean, you got to love them. My grandson was at my house last night. 
And that boy <laughs> needs a job. <laughs> he was having a little trouble with truth this morning at 4.53 because he said the sun was already coming up. So we want to consider the message to the church at Thyatira. First, we consider the greeting. Revelation chapter 2, we're on page 991 in this Bible available here. Verse 18. Write this letter to the angel. Of course, that means the messenger or the leader of the church in Thyatira. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us when this church was founded. Church was in Asia Minor, located about 40 miles southeast of Pergamon, which was the last church I dealt with. And it was likely established by Paul and Silas in conjunction with a woman who sold purple cloth. What was her name? Lydia, Acts 16. Lydia was a worshiper of God. The scripture says she sold this purple cloth. She was converted in Philippi along with her whole household during Paul's second missionary journey. She invited Paul and Silas to come to her house in Thyatira, and they did. And so it looks like that may have been kind of the, the, the seed that, that grew into this church in Thyatira. Now, Thyatira was not an important religious center. Some of these other towns had numerous temples. This one did worship Apollo, but but people weren't frantic about worship of Greek gods, with one exception I'll point out. And there weren't a lot of Jews here either. So the Christians in this town weren't really opposed by other religious groups, either idolaters or Jews. It was a military town, but it was a highly commercial center. And there were many trade guilds that were kind of like uh, the precursor of unions today, except these guilds were more holistic. They sort of controlled your whole life. And if you became part of one and you produced some type of product, they produced all kinds of products in this town. But they also had a patron God. Every guild, this sounds strange to us, but, but it's like a trade union, but they had an element of worship. And so they would worship this one particular God they had chosen as their patron. But the problem is that this idolatrous worship also included sexual immorality during the feasts that they would throw in honor of these gods. Now, The problem arose for Christians because they had to make a living as well. And if they joined one of these guilds to produce some type of product, they would be expected to attend these feasts or else they'd be kicked out of the guild, which means they couldn't make a living. They couldn't produce. They couldn't sell products. They couldn't work for people that did. You say, well, that, that doesn't affect anything we do today. It doesn't remind me. It d- does it? Does it remind you of anything? It, are there any dishonest practices in business? 
Are there any dishonorable practices in business? I mean, surely, you know, there's none of this taking clients to the strip clubs, flying out to Vegas for the convention, and being expected to do it, and being expected to walk on the edge of immorality as part of business. You want to you work here? You want to entertain these clients? You need to do this. You need to, you know, do a few questionable things, immoral things, illegal things. Same, it's the same thing, isn't it? It's the same thing. And Christians, we can't. We can't. Continue to verse 18. This is the message from the Son of God whose eyes are like flames of fire, whose feet are like polished bronze. Now, that's a, that's a quote from the, the uh, vision that we find in Revelation chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. The title Son of God, this is the only time that title is used in Revelation. And it emphasizes that Christ is fully divine, that He's of one essence and He's equal with the Father. So Jesus' view in relationship to this church with eyes like flames of fire was because He saw all and He was looking closely. Nothing could be hidden. His feet, like polished bronze, depicts him as holy and stamping out impurity in the church. Now, that's a terrifying description of Jesus. Now, imagine this letter arrives at the church and the messenger reads it. Wonder how the people felt when they heard that. What would you think? What did they feel? Fear. Fear, concern. Because they realized that Jesus was examining them closely, thoroughly, completely. And he had an expectation of this church. And the scripture says that when judgment starts, it begins where? Begins in the church. God purifies his church before he judges the lost world. 1 Peter 4 17. So, how does God see you? If he has eyes of flame, if he has feet of bronze, how does he view you? Do you know? And how does he view our church? We ought to constantly be concerned about that, shouldn't we? How do you see my life? How do you see our church? The message to this church also included affirmation. Verse 19. I know the things you do. I know all the things you do. I have seen your love, your faith your service, and your patient endurance. And I can see your constant improvement in all these things. See, Jesus had seen righteous deeds in this church. They demonstrated love toward God and toward each other. They practiced faithful trust in Christ. 
when love's present, it always results in service. You believe that? Who do you serve? When love is present, it always expresses itself in service. Because if you love others and you love others because you love God, then you will recognize and then you will seek to meet the needs of others. Practicing faith or faithfulness will be expressed in patient endurance because you see, faith means trusting Christ even in difficulties. Some of you may be suffering now. That song Robert sing, sang was, was very meaningful, wasn't it? Some have difficulties they're going through and doesn't look like anybody's trying to help. But not only did these people possess these characteristics, but they were also growing in them. They were maturing in these areas. Well, how does that happen? How do you grow? You grow only by the Holy Spirit. You know, we can try to do better, but you're going to get tired. But when the Spirit of God prunes you, shapes you, changes you, it's a permanent change. And so, are you improving? If you looked at yourself in the mirror, do you see greater faith? Do you see patient endurance? Do you see love that yields service? Just take a look. Are Christ-like characteristics evident in my life? And are they increasing? Because they're, if they're not increasing, something's, something's wrong. I'm quenching the spirit. I'm tolerating sin. You see what I'm saying? Because if the spirit's in you, he's changing you. You're looking better. Rick, you look better today than you used to a few years ago. Now, that's a true statement. Because the Spirit in us shapes us to look more like Christ. You know what I'm saying? That person next to you, that person ought to be looking more like Jesus today than the day you met him or her. Because it's God in you that's, that's crafting His image in you. And all you're doing is walking along and cooperating with Him. This message to the church also expresses concern. Verse 20. But I have this complaint against you. You're permitting that woman, that Jezebel. You think that was a real name? No, people didn't name their children, their daughters Jezebel. You don't, do you? Well it's, well, it's for the same reason. We don't name our, our daughters Jezebel. A terrible name. Terrible, terrible person. Who calls him, her, herself a prophet. 
Notice she calls herself that. To lead my servants astray. She teaches them to commit sexual sin and to eat food offered to idols. See, here's, here was his complaint. Now, Jesus had just said, you've grown in love, you've grown in faith, but here comes my complaint. You're overlooking evil right in your midst. And you're letting this woman spread false teaching that's damaging people's lives. She's leading people into sin, and you're looking the other way. See, the church at Thyatira had tolerated her presence, but even allowed her false teaching. In the Old Testament, Jezebel, who was she married to? Do you remember? Ahab, yes, who was a, an Israelite king. Don't miss this. And so Israel's king Ahab married this awful woman Jezebel. And Jezebel was named after a Canaanite god, Baal. And she led the whole nation into idolatry. And as the queen, she had a lot of influence. Now, the worship with, with Baal was rooted in sensuality. It, it involved ritualistic prostitution. It involved animal sacrifices in the temples. It also included the sacrifice of children. Now, we're just horrified at that. But look at our attitude toward pre-born children in this nation, including up to full term. That is just as satanic. This Jezebel in the church taught a twisted view of God's grace. But see, this sounds good to our ears, doesn't it? Remember that people gather around them. Folks will tell them what their itching ears want to say. And she said, it doesn't matter if you're Christians, if you sin, because God forgives you. And so this false prophet said, you know, go on to those feasts. I mean, you need to make a living, don't you? So she encouraged them, commit the sexual sin, eat the food offered to idols. Because, you know, you've got to cooperate with the other citizens because you've got to make a living and, and, and they control the guilds and you need to have a job. And you'll lose your job if you don't just learn how to get along. Anybody ever told you that? Just be quiet. Just get along. Just say nothing. Just overlook. Just come on. See, that's not understanding who controls the jobs. And so the teaching of this woman, I want you to understand this though. This woman didn't cause this woman's coaxing temptation revealed the lack of relationship that was already there. And the lust and the rebellion that these people had hidden. Had hidden. And Jesus' complaint was that true believers who were in this church, let this happen. 
Have we accepted sexual immorality in our church? You know what? Some of us as Christians have decided that there's just no way to stop premarital sex, extramarital sex. It's just a given. It's not a given in God's book. Is it? And see, some of y'all, while I'm saying this, say, oh, well, you can't, you can't turn back the tide. Oh, yeah, you can turn back the tide. Because I know about a force that's like a mighty wind. And they accepted this idolatry. Well, well you know, Pastor, we don't, have any, we don't have any idolatry. Well, we don't. We don't, have, uh, we don't worship success, entertainment. Possessions. How many of us grew up in a house that was less than 1,500 feet? How many of us? And how many of us think if we don't have twice that, we can't even turn around today? See, it just creeps in, doesn't it? I got to have more. I got to have bigger. I got to have newer. I got to have better. I got to have more. I got to have something about myself, don't I? Well, it seems to me the definition of idolatry is anything that gets between you and your devotion to God. Anybody have anything between them and God? That's an idol. Might be a person. Might be a job. Might be something you need to attain. Anything that's between you and God is an idol. Is that fair? Who was helping me over here? Rick, is that fair? Where are you over there? See, y'all, here's the problem with this. We, We have gotten so saturated by our own value system, not God's. We don't even see it. That's what happened in this church. This woman, you know, some of them kind of liked her. She's nice enough. And they just tolerated it. And Jesus, with the eyes blazing like fire, said, oh, no. Oh, no. And then he said, I gave her time to repent, but she doesn't want to turn away from her immorality. You know, when you, when you get used to living in darkness, you do not want light. And anybody with light is just, is just hypocritical, harsh, mean, cruel. Mm-mm. That's like saying a doctor's cruel when he cuts out the tumor. The refusal to repent results in negative consequences. Verse 22. Therefore, I will throw her on a bed of suffering. The word suffering are not in the Greek. So what he's actually doing is he's picking up this sexuality reference. Therefore, I'll throw her on a bed, and those who commit adultery with her will suffer greatly unless they repent and turn away from her evil deeds. See, Jezebel's heart was hardened in unrepentant sin. Do you think that's possible? Yeah. Yeah. Your conscience can become seared so that you don't even feel it anymore. 
so that what, 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 what's good you call bad, what's bad you call good. I think it is the world now. But that's having your conscience that's a, God, that's a gift from God seared so you don't even feel it anymore. But Jesus warned, he said, it's too late for her, but it's not too late for you. For you. But you've got to turn away. You have to re- repent. Because he desired his church to be pure. He desired all of us to be pure. So we can shine in this community. I will strike her children, and it means her followers. That doesn't really mean, you know, young people there. Dead. See, there's a sin unto death, 1 John 5, 16. And he's not even saying, he said, these are even believers, but they've gone down this path too far. And he said, now repent. Or I'll end your life. Does that sound? Well, that can't be in the Bible, can it? But see, God says, and Scripture says, there's a sin unto death. We can, we can commit sin to the part where God removes us because we're damaging His church and we're damaging other people. And so it isn't that you're cast into, into hell, but you're taken out of this life. Because you're just too damaging to other people. Now that's a frightening verse, isn't it? 1 John 5, 16. Then all the churches will know that I'm the one who searches out the thoughts and the intentions of every person. It's interesting what he says here, isn't it? He didn't even mention actions. Wonder why he didn't say actions. Because we don't really look at anything but behavior, do we? Uh-uh. He's, he's behind, before behavior. See, once you act on something, you're already committed to it. So, so Jesus is worried about, okay, what are, where are your thoughts? What are your intentions? What's your motivation? It's the same way he talked in the Sermon on the Mount, wasn't it? After Jesus judged the Thyatira church, other churches would be warned against tolerating sin and would know that nothing can be hidden from his penetrating gaze and then he says and I will give to each of you whatever you deserve now he's not saying that you earn salvation what he's saying is that you display salvation see the difference salvation's by grace Impossible by works. But if we're saved, if we are in relationship with God, then our works will follow and our works will prove to us and others and God who we belong to. And I'll give you what you deserve. He's reassuring here that the people in the church who didn't follow this Jezebel's teaching would not be punished along with the guilty. God will have a day that he'll separate out the church. 
the wheat and the tares. The problem is the wheat and the tares are all mixed together, not to God. The sheep and the goats, they can all look alike, not to God. And this letter included also a challenge. Verse 24. But I also have a message for the rest of you in Thyatira who have not followed this false teaching. And then he has, in my, my translation, deeper truths, as they call them, depths of Satan, actually. See, don't miss this. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. Because it's where our culture finds itself. Jezebel and her followers claimed that they could engage in sexual immorality and idolatry without being affected spiritually. Because sins of the body didn't affect the soul. Does that sound familiar? I mean, I hear a lot of entertainers talk about God and all this nastiness. And I hear people even campaigning about following God and living in immorality. It, you can't have it both ways, folks. We've got we to gotta understand who God is, what He wants. Since the Spirit belongs to God, their twisted logic went. They could explore the satanic sphere of sin and still be unaffected by it. So they could dabble over here and still go worship at church. Does that sound reasonable? Does it sound cultural? But there were true believers in Thyatira who rejected that false teaching. 24, continue. I will ask nothing more of you except that you hold tightly to what you have until I come. Now, here's, here's the calling for us. Do we hold tightly to what the Scripture teaches us? Do you? Well, you got to know it. See, he's assuming we know it. We have to know it. A lot of these issues today that our culture is debating about, you have to know what's true. And you have to hold tightly to it. Not cruelly, not meanly, not arrogantly, tightly. You see what I'm saying? Tightly. And the reason you have to hold tightly is the culture is trying to pull it out of your hand. So, yes, you'll be pressured. Yes, you might be ridiculed. Yes, you might be ostracized. Yes, you might be excluded. Not from God. But you might get excluded from some other groups. But for believers who remain faithful, Jesus promised rewards. Verse 26. To all who are victorious, who obey me to the very end, to them I will give authority over all the nations 
and they will rule the nations with an iron rod and smash them like clay pots. That's a quote from Psalm 2. They will have the same authority I receive from my Father, and I will also give them the morning star. See, if we remain faithful to Jesus despite difficulties, this passage says we actually will rule with him. That's quite an honor, isn't it? I mean, none of us would think we could step that high, but that's what the Scripture says. If we're victorious in Christ, then we'll rule with him, and the nations that rebel against Christ, that persecuted his people, will actually be destroyed by faithful believers who are delegated the authority. That's you. That's you. The same authority Jesus receives from his Father, he'll hand out to you. Now, the morning star, what, what or who is the morning star? Jesus is the morning star. And so, yes, you receive authority, but, but that's not what we want when we pass from this life. You see what I'm saying? We're no longer are we thirsty for power. But we sure do want to see that morning star. We sure do want to be received by him. And if he says, now you rule over here, we say, well, whatever you say, I'll do. But just let me stand close to you. You're going to receive that morning star. Some days it feels wearisome, doesn't it? Some days you get some opposition. But you've got to look ahead, see? Life is short. Life is short. Goodness. And we long for that morning star that we will receive. Anyone with ears to hear must. What was it the choir saying? Listen. Come on, choir. Let me hear it. Hey, that wasn't sung. I want something with a little pitch on it. Listen. Must listen to what the Spirit says and understand what He's saying. See, the Spirit's talking. Are you hearing? Are you listening? God wants to say something to you. God wants to show you the way. He wants you to know what He wants from you for the rest of the days He's given you. Historically, the church at Thyatira did not repent. Instead, years later, they fell prey to another false teaching, a different one. And by the end of the second century, this church went completely out of existence. It's possible in America. And it's already happening in parts of America. How will it not happen here? We hold on to what we've been given. We hold on to what we've been given. So this church reveals the seriousness of practicing and tolerating sin in our midst that God will judge. So you know what? If the Spirit is speaking to you about something in your life, today is the day to repent. Today's the day to turn. And if He's calling you, that means you belong to Him and He wants you to come out from it. We'll have counselors here. Counselors, you come on up.
They'll be here to pray with you, to talk with you, to help you. If there's some kind of addiction you're, you're, you're stuck in, they're here to help you. We have other programs. We have Celebrate Recovery. We have ways to help you escape from sin that you, that you know is robbing you of your spiritual life. Soul training for this week is challenge. So you ask God. You have the letter written there on the back of your message guide. There's the assignment. Just start by writing out. Because of my concerns, my challenge for you is, and ask God to give you some steps, specific steps, to help you change and become who He wants you to be. Does that sound good? Let's take that step. Father, we thank you for this word. Show us how to be the people you want us to be. Speak to us individually. Speak to us personally. Speak to us intimately. And help us by your Spirit to take the steps you give us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for coming. Here at Brookwood Church, our desire is to assist you in pursuing a relationship with Jesus so that you can experience transformed life. One of the ways that you can do that is by getting connected here at Brookwood. Email us at connections at brookwoodchurch.org or call us at 864-688-8326 to get in contact with our Connections team. You can also find our message archives and many other resources on our website or on our Brookwood app. Thank you so much for listening and have a blessed day.